Hello and welcome to another episode of Working for the Weekend, Michigan Ross's podcast about the full-time hustle of a part-time MBA. My name is Ajay Muthuswamy and I'm excited to host this session today. Our theme for this year is uncertainty and journeys. Very appropriate for our current macroeconomic climate and hopefully this also resonates with anyone at any stage of their MBA journey. As always, if you like what you hear, make sure you give us a rating and comment on our favorite podcast app to help us reach a larger audience. You can always email us at weekendpod at umich.edu or DM us at our Instagram handle at rosswftwpod. Thank you for listening and let's get started. In last episode, we uncovered the value of an MBA and why it matters and for who it matters. In case you haven't listened to it, now is a gentle reminder to catch up on that. In today's episode, we will focus on which MBA is the best fit for me. We all have heard and experienced on numerous occasions that one size doesn't fit all. And the world of MBA provides a plethora of options ranging from different schools, different types of programs, flexible timings, and so much of differences. Today, we have our special guest, Dan King from the Online MBA and John Drivelski from the Weekend MBA program, who's from my cohort, was my teammate for the very first semester, and also my benchmate to uncover what led them to the MBA program of their choice at Ross. So Dan and John, it's great to have you both here. Hope you both had a great Thanksgiving break. And we as Michigan Wolverines can't be more proud of our team as we beat Ohio State with a stunning ease for the second straight year. So Dan and John, thanks again for being here. Dan, would you like to give us your introduction? Yeah, AJ, thanks for having me. And then go blue. My name is Dan King. I am an OMBA. I'm anticipating graduating in 2023. Currently, I work as an investor relations manager for Verizon. I'm based in DC right now, but this is a new role for me. And actually with it came a job relocation. So I'm moving to New Jersey in like the next few weeks uh, with my wife, who's about seven and a half months pregnant and our four and a half year old dog, who is like a kid. Congratulations. Firstly, there is a lot of things that I hear. You're moving to New Jersey. You're originally from Washington, D.C., and you are expecting a baby in early 2023. That's yep. awesome. Yep, keeping it busy. So, oh, yeah. So what's the fun fact? Let's hear your fun facts first. Oh, well, I, this is a bit of a return to broadcasting for me. So when I was an undergrad, I did student television. I also did, I went to American University in D.C. And I did online broadcasting for all of their home sporting events. So it, it's a bit of a return to the microphone for me. Uh, apologies if anybody heard me in the past and already can't stand my voice. <laughs> uh, that's awesome, Dan. Like, good to have you again. So we'll hear more about why from Washington, D.C. all the way to Michigan. Let's save that for later. So moving on to our other guest, John. Hey, John, how is everything? Would you like to give your introduction along with the fun fact? Sure. Thanks for having me, Ajay. Glad to be here. So I'm John Rivalski. I'm in the weekend MBA program in the same cohort as Ajay. We were on the first team together and completed many projects together. It's been a good time. So I'm a consultant at CFGI, a financial advisory firm. 
And I have over eight years of experience in financial reporting. And then a fun fact about me is I love soccer. I played my whole life and I might be one of the bigger guys you'll see on the field, but I play with a lot of heart. That's awesome, John. I know like you are a work hard, party hard type of person. So like you mentioned soccer firstly. So do you have a favorite team for the World Cup 2022 happening right now in Qatar? Oh yeah, I'm rooting for USA. That's awesome. Go USA. I'd say so, but I'm rooting for Brazil. So I've been rooting for Brazil for like, I don't know, 20 years now. So that doesn't make me an old person by any means, but still, go USA. So this is like when people ask me why I started an MBA, one of the reasons that I tell is I work on product development finance at General Motors, and I deal with a lot of finance guys. And I am from an engineering background. So it's always the financial terms that scare me off, right? I try to understand the context of the designs, but having to go with my very first episode as host with two finance professionals here who are both licensed CPAs. So Dan, as you mentioned, he's from the Washington DC area and John is from Perrysburg, Ohio area. So firstly, I want to ask you both, why MBA and when did you decide that you wanted an MBA. John, we'll start with you. Sure. So as I mentioned, I've been in financial reporting for about eight years. I did a BBA at Ohio University where I studied accounting and finance. And over the past eight years, I started getting more and more interested in an MBA. I've met different colleagues and professionals that were in top leadership with MBAs, and I thought it would be good for me to pursue an MBA to grow professionally and grow my network as well and develop some leadership skills. Awesome. So when did you exactly say that you decided that you want to get an MBA? I would say it was about a year ago, a year ago this time. I was just kind of at the end of a stint at my current company looking to change roles. And I thought that, you know, I'd been wanting an MBA for a while. And I thought this would be the perfect time to really jumpstart my career into the future. Exactly. Right about the middle of pandemic, if I'm not wrong. So I think that's when people realize what they miss out of life, what they want out of life, you know, like explore their life choices. And it paid way for a great program. Thank you, John, for the brief on YMBA. So moving on now to Dan. Firstly, YMBA. Then when did you decide? I think I'm going to answer in reverse order a little bit. So I think it started as a longer term thought for me when I joined Verizon. I, I had done about a decade in public accounting firms. And I think once you're in accounting firms, and, and John, you might have some experience with this having a CPA background too, you kind of get to a certain point in time where you realize maybe you're not going to be a partner. Um, and then it, so then you start looking for other opportunities. So Verizon was my opportunity to move, as they say in the CPA world, into industry. So I started out in an internal audit role and kind of started thinking, well, longer term, maybe the MBA will be helpful to kind of move up within this company. It's a company I like. It's a company I want to stay with for a while. The pandemic sped that up pretty dramatically. All of a sudden, we were home a lot more. And, you know, I found a lot of uncertainty just going along with the theme of this, right? And I think I was of the mindset of, well, what better time to start this than when I'm at home not a lot to do, can't see my family, can't see my friends. So I started applying and looking around at applications in the spring of 2020. I started in the fall 2020 OMBA cohort. 
And the why for me is really within the roles that I had had up to that point, they were very finance and accounting heavy focused, which fit my background and my education, but I found it to be very tactical. I kind of always wanted to take things up to that next level, to that strategic level. So I wanted to go back and get my MBA to round out some of my experience, present a little bit more versatility on my resume, so to speak. And I think it's really already starting to pay dividends. You know, I mean, I moved into an investor relations role, which is, it's essentially finance communications in a lot of ways. It's highly strategic. You have to know a lot of different aspects of your company and the industry more broadly. And it's, for me, it's been great exposure to Verizon's leadership team, as well as the investment community, which is a huge stakeholder for us. That's awesome, Dan. Like, you know, you clearly highlighted about the tactical piece. I think once we get uh, the subject matter expertise of a particular field, like it gets to become more tactical. That's the very reason a lot of my cohorts, like people who I've discussed at Ross, you know, like they want to get into the strategy side of things, even though they want to be part of the strategy or definitely they want to understand how the strategy positions us to the next level or taking the business to the next level. So thank you for that. So with again with Dan, you are from the Washington, D.C. area. That sounds really cool. So I hope it's also like the winter has started there as well. But how did you end up on like, you know, what were your potential options? And could you share more about your pre-MBA research? Because I would think at some point, once you get some experience, you do our own R&D, like compared to the undergrad, we had more advisors, you know, like our parents, our friends, our senior members of the family who were teachers who guide us. But when you decide on an MBA, especially you don't want to leave your work and you want to focus on your MBA, the own R&D, you know, we have our own methodology. Could you walk us through some of your pre-MBA research? I know it sounds fun, but if you could share more about it, I think it will be helpful. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I think when I first started out, I looked at full-time and part-time programs. There are strong full-time programs in the DC area that I looked at for a moment, but I kind of ruled that out pretty early. I just didn't feel like I was at the point either professionally or personally where it really made sense for me to stop my work growth progress to go back to school and kind of, because that's kind of a hard reset, right? Um, And I think that's a big thing that people have to know. Like, am I going back to make a complete 180 change, then the full-time might be for you. But I think the part-time is a good fit for somebody that is feels like they're going on the track that they ultimately want to be in and are looking to develop that. Or you're in a company that they really like, maybe they want to do something a little differently. Or maybe there's a company that they're interested in and the school just has companies that recruit at that school. And then I kind of looked at, once I got it to the part-time, I looked at online, I looked at executive, and I looked at the weekend programs too. For me, I think the thing that jumped out for online was the flexibility of it. You can kind of control the terms of engagement, so to speak. You can speed it up or slow it down as needed, but you can still make those important personal connections because that's really what the MBA for me is about more so than just the classwork. It's being able to develop your professional community a bit more with a bunch of like-minded individuals because they're people that you can really draw ideas from and really in some cases even be inspired by. Um, I know I've met a number of people that I look at and I say, oh my gosh, you are way smarter than me and I, I don't know how you even know half the stuff that you know. And I just feel lucky to be in classes with them half the time. Then, then the other, you know, the more practical pieces of it are you don't necessarily like with a weekend program like Jonathan, you know, I think the biggest thing for me being married, having a kid on the way, things like that. I was like, can I really justify both to my work and to my wife? I need to drop everything every other weekend 
to fly to Ann Arbor. And, and that answer kind of answers itself from my perspective, not being near Ann Arbor. So that's how I kind of ended up in the OMBI. Definitely, John. It, it was good. I mean, hearing that particular aspect from your end, like, you know, online MBA, a lot of people think pre-pandemic, right? Oh, yeah, like getting stuff done online, you know, I have to be in person in order to get the maximum effectiveness. But the world that we are in today is functioning effectively and efficiently way better because people find the right mix working from home. Like people like you who to go to school from home but still get the effectiveness out of it. So thank you for highlighting the piece. I'm sure it can be related a lot with, for any of us who work during pandemic, we can relate to it well. So appreciate it. So moving on to John now. So John, on the contrary, is from the Weekend MBA program. John, did you also think about full-time MBA or online MBA? How was your research getting into the MBA spectrum of things? Uh, sure. So to answer that, I might take a step back and kind of go from the beginning of the process for me. So first, I landed on Michigan as being my top school of choice for several reasons. One, my father-in-law, who he unfortunately recently passed away this past December, he had been a mentor to me. And over the last couple of years, every time I went to his house, he would say, John, have you applied to Michigan yet? Um, he kept pushing me to get my MBA, and Michigan was his favorite school. I had been to a lot of football games with him and his wife over the years, so I had already been on campus and had been immersed in the culture. So that put Michigan on the map for me. And then when I started to look into Michigan, I obviously have heard of Michigan before, but I saw how highly regarded the program was being one of the best MBA programs in the country. And then also geographically for me, that came into play. I'm about an hour from Michigan. So when I was looking for schools, that, that made a difference for me geographically. So I did look at all three options, full-time MBA, part-time online version, and then the weekend MBA program. And for me, I really liked the thought of being able to work while going through the program. Being able to apply concepts I'm learning through in class directly to my work was appealing to me. I also like the two-year time frame of the Weekend MBA program, and I thought that also it would be a good situation for my wife and daughter. I have a almost five-year-old daughter, and um, to be able to drive up to campus for residency weekends and drive back home, I thought would minimize commute time. So it worked out for a lot of different reasons for me. It's really good to know, John. Sorry about your personal loss, but I'm sure like, you know, your father-in-law is rooting out for you and glad that you ended up in Michigan and how it kind of works out for you personally and also professionally, you know, working and studying and applying stuff. So when I moved, when I moved to USA uh, back in 2017, I had to let go of one of the MBA opportunities from the top B school in India. So every time I visited India, my dad would ask me, even though I joined an uh, engineering master's with University of Michigan, Dearborn. So my dad would ask me, you know, like, hey, what were your MBA plans? You were talking about it so much. So I could totally relate to it. And that's one of the very same reason that I definitely wanted to go to, you know, one of the top schools and Ross, like, you know, closer to home, go blue. And I'm a big Michigan football guy as well. So kind of check all the boxes. So thank you. Moving on, so looks like, you know, from both of your experiences, you both like the program that you're in. That is a very first and the foremost thing, and I do too. So 
looks like Ross has options for every one of us, right? We have our differences. We have our similarities. We don't want to quit the job for various other reasons. We want to keep applying our, the learnings from the job directly, not wait until for a map project or internship. So it's glad. My next question to either of you, whoever wants to take it. So how has your experience at Ross been so far? Like, you know, like, you know, you wanted an MBA. You let, walked us through how you decided on Ross. You know, like uh, Dan spent, Dan has got more experience under the belt than John and I. So maybe, Dan, do you want to highlight, like, how has your experience at Ross been so far? Sure. I mean, I think first off, you know, I'm very fortunate to know several Michigan alumni in the metro DC area, either either undergrads or, or masters or some law school grads even. I don't want to say they influenced me directly to go to Michigan. But, you know, the thing I could see right away was that sense of community and that real sense of pride they had in the fact that they went to the University of Michigan. And the Ross community that I've been a part of now for a little while definitely fits that mold. I think with the OMBA, it's a little bit what you make of it as far as making those connections. But the people I've been able to connect with uh, and I've been able to learn from, I mean, our conversations extend well beyond the classroom. I think the biggest thing with the OMBA program is is the residencies and the fact that the MAP program is a part of, the, part of it because that is really the cornerstone of what makes a Ross MBA is that MAP. But the residencies are fantastic because you get out of that traditional classroom setting and you have a chance to kind of deepen those relationships. You know, I've been lucky enough to do two of them so far. I was up in Ann Arbor for the Leadership Crisis Challenge in, in January of 22. And this past May, actually, I had I was lucky enough to get to go on the OMBA's first international residency, which was in Berlin. And I have two more to go before I graduate. So I'll be back. I'm excited to get back up to Ann Arbor uh, in the winter semester. And then the innovation residency, which is my last residency, actually, it was going to be on campus and now it's going to be in Italy. So I'm going to Europe twice as part of this program, which is a tremendous experience. You know, I didn't get to study abroad when I was an undergrad. Um, so I feel like I'm kind of making up for missing out on that a little bit. But yeah, I mean, there's so many other things in the program that, that have been built in. Um, and it's, a lot about being proactive. You know, in the summertime this year, a number of the OMBA cohorts in the different geographic areas, New York City, LA, Detroit, Dallas, I think they combined Philly and DC and Baltimore into, into one region. We just did like summer get togethers, you know, all supported by the OMBA council. And it was, it was a good chance to just kind of get out of the classroom and, and see each other. And we might not get together as much as a full time or even, even other part time MBAs, but that sense of togetherness in the cohorts is 100% still there. Wow, Dan, I know like you clearly highlighted the specifics of OMBA, like more than I thought, like it was a good learning experience, firstly. And like by the thoughts, looks of it, it is not like, you know, it doesn't sound online MBA to me, more like an international MBA. You're traveling <laughs> twice to Europe, like one to Berlin, another residency at Italy. So I know like you started with Connect. I would like to deep dive on a couple of pointers that you gave so that like, you know, our audiences get to know more. So how do you define a connection, right? You talked about having connections outside of class. So how do you make sure that connection is a sustainable connection? It's not just a classroom connection. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a good question. And some of that's very organic, right? It's the ability to know that, hey, I can pick up a phone or I can go on a Slack channel and I can just message somebody like, you know, I guess that's how it would be if you were 
together otherwise is you would be shooting off a text message and saying, hey, let's go meet up and go over this. Or I've had cohort members call me with advice about whether or not they should take job offers. A connection to me includes a level of trust. And if you can achieve that level of trust with an individual, that's a connection that's not only strong, but it's going to last. Exactly. That's awesome. You're glad that you highlighted Slack. Slack is always overwhelming, right? Pretty much people talk a lot about communication, upfront communication, clear communication. Slack has been like the gold source for it. You could talk mm-hmm. to anyone, like you say, there are multiple groups, like even you could be a silent listener, a silent reader. People get around and help you if you have any questions. So glad that you brought the point, Dan. Also, you talked about your MAP project. So for listeners, MAP is the multidisciplinary action project that Ross is famous for. People come to Ross in respect of the MBA program that you're at, like say, John and I are going to be getting onto it like next semester and looks like Dan went through it. So could you highlight more about your MAP project? Yeah, sure. It was something completely out of my realm. It was a marketing research project for a startup that was interested in doing AI-connected tennis, essentially, like basically coaching feedback on the fly. Like Basically, you bring this device to a tennis court. And even if you didn't have a court, the idea was that it could lay out a laser grid, essentially, and create a court for you wherever you were. And basically, you practice, and it gives you guided coaching techniques. And the idea was essentially, how do we shape this market? How do we define the TAM that's associated with it. That's a total addressable market for folks that don't know that. And you know how can we best approach it? And we were essentially asked to provide recommendations to the founder of this company as to what market should we start targeting. We ultimately landed on a group that we called competitive juniors and their parents. You know, youth sports can be very competitive in the United States, and that's where they're starting. And you know, obviously, the parents control the purse strings for kids. Um, but you know, a parent that thinks they have a particularly talented young athlete is very willing to spend on that athlete. So that that was kind of some of our that was just a sampling of some of the key takeaways that we had. But it was a great experience from that in so many regards. Yeah, that's amazing. AI tennis, something, you know, sports management coupled with the technology. And also I think you had a lot of terms which we are getting started with our MBA program. You know, we are learning, catching up on it. So thank you. Glad that experience, you know, really paid well for you. So moving on to John. So John, how is your experience so far? I know we are in the middle of the fall term. We started this summer. So it's been like, I don't know, six months in the program. So how do you feel so far? It's been going great. Uh, let me preface it with saying, before I decided to plunge into that MBA, I really considered it very carefully just because of the time commitment that it would entail, the financial commitment, also having a family. I knew that it would be a big commitment. And I went to Go Blue Weekend where I got to see the school more, talk to some of the past students. And that really helped me understand the program more as well. But I eventually did decide to do the program. That's why I'm here today. And I think it's exceeded my expectations in every way. The classes are great. I get to meet a bunch of my classmates. I drive up from Ohio every other Friday and Saturday for class. And uh, I really look forward to the weekends. I've met a lot of amazing classmates in different group teams that we've done projects together and then getting lunches and dinners. It's just been a very good 
networking experience. The professors are also wonderful, very energizing. And the concepts, I thought I might have an easier time with some of the subjects having done a business major as an undergrad, but I'm finding that it's very challenging work. And it's also helping to grow my mindset in ways that have surpassed my expectations. And then another thing I like about it is the things that happen outside of class. So I've been to several football games. I've always been enjoyable. Also, I was invited to a Diwali party, my first ever Diwali celebration I had been to from a classmate. He invited our team, and that was a fun experience. And then I also was part of a networking trip to Chicago where I got to meet with different Michigan alumni who worked for private equity funds, hedge funds, private wealth management companies. So that was a great chance to grow my network as well. So all in all, there's been, it's really surpassed my expectations and it's been a good experience so far. That's, that's awesome, John. You brought in a good point about networking. So typically, if you meet like people every other week, just for the weekends, so the networking component in someone's mind, like, you know, when I was considering, like, how am I going to build the network? But organically, it happened. So you also mentioned that you went to a Diwali party. You're part of the soccer club. So how do you get to manage all of this? Like, you know, in addition to the classes, I understand the classes are heavy, at least for me, it is really heavy this semester. How do you manage, get to manage all of this? Like, does Roth make you feel part of the community in one way or other in order to get you to experience all this? Sure, that's a good question. You know, it is a lot to manage working full-time, doing the program and, you know, trying to get involved in some of the different clubs. My wife actually right now is in a grad school program as well. And I joke with her sometimes, why did we sign up for this? You know, this this is a lot of extra work. But I always conclude that, like I said, I look forward to the weekends. I look forward to the things I'm learning. So really, I look at it as just a very valuable experience and enjoyable experience most of the time. Not that there aren't certain assignments that I just have to get through, but it's it does help hone my prioritization skills and time management skills. And, you know, that's been a good growth experience for me too. Yeah. So you mentioned that your wife is also in a grad school program now. So who gets to graduate first? So we graduate similar timing. Oh, wow. That's perfectly planned. Awesome. I know. That's, I mean, uh, all the very best, both of you. You also mentioned about some of the subjects, which I would not let you go off without asking. You know, like coming from an accounting and a finance background, what's your favorite subject? Let's dig in with that. What's your favorite subject so far? Sure. For me, I would say, you know, the first semester, the first term marketing class was very stimulating to me. I like that a lot. Something that I haven't seen a ton of in my career yet, but also affects me in many ways. And then I've really liked the strategy course, learning to think about industries and businesses strategically. That's been very enjoyable for me. And I do like the finance course too. I've always, I did a finance undergrad major in my undergrad and that's been good too. But I like other aspects of all the classes, really. I like the team projects a lot. I think that those are a good opportunity to work on a team. And, you know, I've met with my teammates typically once a week and we all go at it together and figure out the best way to get projects done. So there's been a lot good going on. Definitely. The cohort-based experience and working along with the project mates 
you know, everyone leverages their strength and also we allow us the room to, you know, experiment and learn. It's not that, say, when I was in a project mate, as a project mate with John, him being an accountant, the basics of accounting class that we did with Dr. Dave, he used to watch us like he never gave us the answer. As in like, you know, he would be willing us to make some mistakes, learn from it. And in the end, as an expert, he would come in and like, he would help us shape up the final assignment. So that way, it also, it's not just that, hey, you know, like I'm an accountant. I've been an accountant for eight years. I know the answer right off the top of the bat. But, you know, like that understanding that leads us to the being part of the DEI committee that, you know, like the community-based learning at Ross, everything falls well together. Thank you, John. We appreciate it. Yeah. And another thing I might add, um, my background being in accounting and my entire work career in accounting, I even found that in the financial reporting class, I was exposed to new ideas that I hadn't seen before. So even in that way, it was valuable for me and I was surprised by that. That's amazing. Like I could say like I have a master's in industrial engineering and I've done operations as part of my undergrad too. So, but even in the operations class today, like, you know, with the assignments that we are doing, I'm learning like a lot of different stuff, more practical, more case-based and more relevant to the current scenario as well. So glad that you brought it up, John. Appreciate it. So Dan, what's your favorite subject so far? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I would say actually, actually, the class that I'm taking right now is probably ranking right up there with the best. I'm taking a corporate financial reporting class right now, and it's been very enjoyable. It's an accounting course by name, but it's really a helpful kind of overview into how to actually read a 10K or a 10Q. So, I mean, it's directly applicable to what I do right now. So, I mean, it's a bit advantageous in that regard from my perspective, but there's still so many nuances and details in a company's financial statements. Like you don't realize how many things get buried in these notes and the supplementals of these publicly traded companies financial until somebody actually points out like, oh, they're showing a profit here. But if you look at that note, they're actually in the whole $500 million. And you're just like, oh, okay. So I can't just look at the income statement. Uh, you know, it, it's, and I think that's important to know always because when you're evaluating a company, one of the first things I always felt like you should do is you should look at their financials that they're available to see, is this company healthy? Is it growing? Where are things at? Because it, it could impact a hiring decision for you. It could impact an investment decision for you. It has broad-based impacts. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, what you consult mean, like unlearning and learning and reinventing the stuff that you've been like, you know, taught or you've been doing it in a particular way. And like when you come across something more complex than that piece of it, like, you know, that uh, learning aspect of it is something that really amazed me at Ross. So thanks for highlighting it. So is there any subject that or any topic which you found it more challenging during your time? Like, and how did your cohort or your friends helped you navigate it? I would say of the courses that I've taken, I would say the ones that I probably struggled with the most just because it was kind of the most most out of my comfort zone would be courses that were in that management and organizations area, you know, talking about the way that companies are structured, talking about human capital management, things like that. It's just not something that I've done a lot of. And so the concepts, especially because they tend to be a bit I don't want to say theory-based, but they're a bit soft, right? Like with accounting, you've got your debits and your credits. You know that your balance sheet's always going to balance at the end of the day. You kind of have those checks. With management, it's so much more experimental. 
I, I think, an open-ended. So you kind of have to accept that there's going to be some ambiguity. And I think that it helps it helped in our, our initial management and organizations course that we had a team-based thing where we basically were required on a weekly basis or a bi-weekly basis to, to check in with each other, just make sure we're all getting the concepts. Are there, you know, and the other thing that they really supported through the Sanger Leadership Center is this idea of experimenting with different management styles while you're at work so that you get to actually apply it to what you do every day. So it's not just this concept. You actually get to see how you operate and how you can change the way that you operate to maybe make yourself a more effective manager or people leader, however you want to say it. Glad you brought about Sanger Leadership and also like working on an uncomfortable territory because this year's theme is uncertainty and like our journeys, like even though we are certain that we want to do this, but there could be any uncertainty like the pandemic that happens and people realize, you know, like the business changes every minute. So we have to be prepared to work on uncomfortable territory and glad that you are already put on spot through some of the challenges that you took. And also Sanger leadership came in to help for you to navigate it way more structured and way more effective. So thank you, Dan. So moving on to the final piece of it. We talked a lot about the highlights of the Beacon MBA, the OMBA. So if someone is in the designing phase, you know, who's looking to design on a specific program, so what advice would you give? Like more like a, a friend-to-friend advice. Hey, you know, like I did this, it worked well. I mean, you could do this. Like, you know, literally now if I'm listening and thinking about the OMBA, yeah, like whatever points that Dan mentioned kind of appeals to me. And that would be me. And if I'm thinking about a weekend MBA, whatever John mentioned, yeah, that appeals to me. So think of that person, like he or she, who is currently looking at it. And what advice do you have for someone? So maybe we'll start with John. Yeah, so if I understand the question correctly, where advice on helping someone decide between different programs? Between different programs or which MBA is best for them? What advice? Okay, sure, sure. So. I would recommend um, looking at different online information about each program. Uh, I kind of did that as a starting point. You're able to see some of the information about the cohort and um, some of their background, which could see where you might be a good fit in each cohort. And then consider the time frame. consider whether you want to be full-time in person, part-time in person, online, um, and really just decide what might work best for you personally maybe make a pros and cons list between the different programs to help you decide. And then it's always good to get different perspectives. You know, I'm sure you people listening will have learned a little bit more about the different programs, but always good to reach out and talk to some of the people who are in those specific programs. For me, when I went to Go Blue Weekend, that helped me uh, meet some of the people in the Weekend MBA program, and that helped me as well. So anytime you can reach out to someone who is in that program to get information, that that would probably be beneficial as well. Thanks, John. Really appreciate it. Like, you know, you are from a finance and accounting background. Anything specific to finances that people have to think about upfront? Any advice on that? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, that's part of the reason that drove me to the uh, part-time program, Weekend MBA, because I was able to keep working and earning income while going through the program. So being an accounting finance guy, that was important to me because when you miss, you know, we learn about in economics too, the opportunity costs. So when you do go to school, 
you know, if you're not working, you're missing out on that income that you could have been earning and the experiences, the work experiences you'd, you'd be gaining during that time period as well. So for me, that was very important to my decision, uh, looking at that income over the period that I would have been losing. And I'm sure there's reasons why a full-time MBA might make sense for other people and for different reasons. But for me, that was part of my driver to do the weekend program. Yeah, thanks for being candid, John. That's the same reason why I chose the weekend MBA program too. Really, really on point. I'm sure my finance Excel sheet or like the calculator that I had would be at the very elemental level, but yours would have been even more. So glad we both are in the same program. So share it. So moving on to Dan now. I mean, I, I think John covered it pretty nicely, but uh, you know, I, I think he's absolutely right. You have to be holistic in looking at these programs. Once you've decided that you want to get an MBA, it's easy to get tied up in rankings. They're, they're always out there. They're from many different sources. And in some cases, there's some truth in lending to them, right? I, I don't want to take anything away from them, but that can't be the only reason that you choose a school because you might not get everything that you need to out of an education. You know, to borrow a finance term, you have to think about your return on investment, both in terms of time and in terms of costs. You know, and there's some of the things that we talked about today that, that I would rehash that I was just kind of jotting down as we were talking about them. Think about how much travel you might have to do to complete the program. What does the course load look like? How much time do you have to complete all your courses? You know, uh, the OMBA program at Ross lets you go up to 10 years. I don't recommend that. Uh, and they don't recommend that, but you can do it if you really have to for any, un, for any unforeseen reason. You know, what's the ability to network and connect with your cohort look like? And what does it feel like? What companies recruit from your school? And, you know, the list goes on and on and on. If you're going to get an MBA for the sake of getting the three letters next to your name, it, it, it doesn't matter as much. You, I would probably recommend going somewhere fairly low cost that's not going to require a whole lot of effort because if that's your MO, then there's no point in investing the way that I have, the way that John has, the way that you are in a program like Ross's, because you're going to be challenged in a program like this. And that's the part that I love about it the most is that I picked Ross. And one of the main reasons I picked Ross is because I wanted to challenge myself. I knew if I picked it, my cohort would be filled with talented people and very smart people. And I would have to stack myself up against some pretty impressive people. And it's a challenge sometimes, but you make it through and you do the best you can. And you know, at the end of the day, I, I can't be happier that I'm doing this. Very well summarized, Dan. The challenges that comes with this program are boundless. And like I said, if you are a competitive person who wants to explore outside of your own territory and up your challenge level, I think the program at Ross is the best fit for you. And overall, like, you know, even if you want to do what you want to do, there are multiple things that are happening. People around you, your friends, your cohorts definitely would take you to do stuff like this, right? The challenge yourself, come out of your own shell that you're being. And both the programs are great. You know, depending on however they want to decide, I think the user has every opportunity at their disposal to figure out the best solution for them. So I know like John had a point earlier. John, do you want to sum it up? You know, something that I was thinking about what Dan was talking about flexibility and time frame. I was thinking also about the flexibility geographically, which you kind of touched on too. But what I've noticed in my program, I'm not planning to move, but if I had been planning to move, I'd have to fly in instead of, you know, drive in. So that, that would change the game a little bit. But then I was thinking about that when Dan was mentioning flexibility. Oh, yeah, de definitely. We have folks who 
come in from Miami or come in from New York every other week. So I'm sure like that's also something people have to consider in whatever works best for them. Like the programs, the way they structured could be different, but the classes, what I've spoken to some of the OMBA students, we have the similar professors as full-time MBA students. So that's the key. And we have the similar opportunities as everyone else, but how it fits within our own realm of things is how we have to go about. So that's all the time we have today. Thank you so much for participating in this episode. I really have had so much fun getting to know you both, understanding your thought process, getting to an MBA, while I trust the various things that you're doing and what motivates you. So and thank you to all the listeners who tuned in today. Working for the Weekend Podcast is sponsored by the University of Michigan Ross School of Business. The host for this episode was myself, Ajay Muthuswamy. The executive producers are Bob Needham and Ayush Mundra. Johan Brockman did the editing for this episode. Thanks again to all of our guests and thank you for listening. See you next time on Working for the Weekend. Go Blue! Are you ready?